You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Um, it's an honor to stand here in front of you today. Before I jump in, would you mind just bowing your heads and we're going to pray. Father, I know where you sit. The confidence I have as I stand here in front of my brothers and sisters, my church family, is that I know that you know every need, every broken heart, every wound, and every wonderful blessing that was bestowed upon these people before they even walked in these doors. You know the hair on every head. And Father, I beg you, I implore you, please just send your spirit here to move among the people to take the message you have that will go through me, that somehow will actually turn into communication, that they will understand your message and that I would not get in the way. I pray, Spirit, to do your work. The only way this happens is if you do your thing, and, and that's my prayer here today. pray this in your son's name. Amen. Almighty deceiver. When I say that term, what do you think of? Almighty deceiver. I, I love that phrase. I, I think of, you know, there are many names for Satan or Lucifer or the devil or whatever, but I like that one the most because I think he thinks it's a compliment when I say almighty deceiver, right? Because it sounds so much like almighty God. And I think I say, oh, the almighty deceiver. And he's like, that's right, I'm almighty. When I was a young kid, um, I don't know, four, five, six, somewhere in there, we moved from the house where I was born in and... Um, we moved about 12 miles away, 15 miles away, to a little house, a cul-de-sac, much like any house here in Elk Grove. And we moved in, and, and within a few weeks, I met a neighbor kid across the street, two houses over. And the first thing he says to me is, you want to see my fort? What did I say? What did I say? Fort. Of course I want to see your fort. Let's go. So we go walk over to the side gate again, just like any house in Elk Grove. We open the side gate. There's a brick wall on this side, and there's another house on this side, and it's all dirt here, and he's dug a hole. And, and I'm like, okay, your fort's a hole. Okay, I'm, I'm up for it. We, we jump into the hole, and he grabs a flashlight, and he turns, and he points the flashlight, and he is tunneled under the house. Yeah, I'm like, this is cool, right? Church, let me tell you. The foundations of our faith are being tunneled under. The foundations of our faith are being tunneled under. Um, that young kid, I was going to put a picture up. They moved very shortly after I met him. And they moved 14 hours away by plane. They moved to a town in Africa called Ghana. And I was going to put the picture up, but I don't want it to be disturbing. But it'd be a photo of about 1,000 people who committed mass suicide. And in that photo, you would see that friend of mine across the street and two hours over with his older sister, his mom, and his dad. Our foundations of our faith have been under attack. They will always be under attack. But let me tell you right now, just this week, I heard about two people that have been in professional ministry and they've had very public ministries and they've just walked away from their faith and their families. And I thought... Hey, the almighty deceiver used to not be so, so convincing. Where you, you know, maybe you'd have a false teacher who'd stand up and he'd be convincing and kind of get people to do a thing. What convinced these guys to do this? And, and I believe wholeheartedly that the new almighty deceiver affecting us today is ourselves. I think that the biggest almighty deceiver in your life is sitting in your chair. And I'm going to prove it to you today. Why do we need this sermon? Oh, by the way, the title of this sermon is Watch Out, Your Pants Are on Fire. 
I know that's so silly. That's me. Okay. Your pants are on fire. Why do you need this sermon? Our foundations of faith are being eroded from all sides. And we need a reminder this morning that our faith is reasonable. The Bible is holy. Jesus is God. We need one another and the resurrection has power. Amen. First lie we're going to talk about today. You can grab your notes if you want to and you can fill in the blank if that's something you like to do. First lie we're going to talk about is the American dream. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. We're not going to pray, but I want you to focus on, this might be a lie that you have said to yourself. So just close your eyes and bow your head. Come on, everybody. We know we should build a comfortable life and don't think about spiritual or supernatural things. You can look up. I can prove this to you in the movie Endgame. Have you seen the movie Endgame? That's all, that's all I got. Have you seen the movie Endgame? The biggest grossing movie of all time. It's my favorite movie. Okay. Even Endgame cannot get away from talking about spirituality. So the, toward the end of the movie, um, the, there's this guy who shoots the bow and arrow guy. What's his name? I don't remember what's his name. Hawkeye, Hawkeye, bow and arrow dude. He's talking to the, the lady who can throw cars with like her mind. I don't know who she is, but they're having this conversation. And they're talking about the lady who was the assassin, right? They're talking about her. And what she has done is she has gone from being an assassin. Then she's like on the good guy team now. And so now she just kills for good or whatever. And then, and then, and then she sacrifices her life to save half of everyone in the universe, right? And, and these two people are talking about this person that has sacrificed their life. And this is what they say. I'm going to quote it so I don't get this wrong. Hawkeye says... I wish there was a way to let her know we won. And the car throwing lady says, she knows. What? You can't just throw that in there. What do you mean she knows? You mean there's an afterlife and now she knows? See, you cannot separate spirituality from us. We are spiritual beings. You can't say we do not have a God because the truth is, in your notes, the truth is God exists. That's the truth. We're being deceived and we're even deceiving ourselves. Romans 1, I'm going to read this whole thing, 18 to 23. You can look at it on your Bible app if you want. It'll be up on the screen. The truth is that God exists. The wrath of God, verse 18, is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them. What may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, they've been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. We're going to continue on. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, their foolish hearts were darkened, and although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings, birds, animals, and reptiles. See, folks, there is a God. He exists and we exist to worship. In fact, every culture, and as far back as you want to look, 
And every culture that ever will exist on any continent has always worshipped. Always worshipped. Now, they get it wrong, and we all get it wrong, and we worship the creation rather than the creator, or, or we worship an animal, or, or they, most, most of the time they're going to worship like the rain god. Why? Because they need rain. So you have to pray to the rain god. But God exists. And we have to remember, church, that we're subtly being lied to, and we're even lying to ourselves, saying that spirituality is no big deal. The American dream, just be comfortable. Watch out, your pants are on fire. Here's the problem. If you believe God exists, then you have to then go to the next step. That's our second lie. Second lie is this, more time. Just bow your heads again real quick, close your eyes. Come on, everybody, come on. You know that just adding more time to the beginning is logical. There is no creator. You can look up. If you believe that, more time, watch out, pants are on fire. I remember in seventh grade class, Miss Adair, um, I don't know if it's in science books today, but back then it was at the very beginning, and it was the Big Bang Theory. This was before it was a TV show. And... Uh, she explained it to us this way. There were gases came together, big explosion, boom. And then eventually, over a long period of time, there was a single-cell organism that, that was living in the ocean. A single-cell organism that was there. And, and she put a picture of it up uh, on her overhead projector. And it was just on the white background with the black circle. Anybody remember seeing that? The problem is, is that now, with technology... You want to have fun? Go on Google today when you're done here and look up the Roomba single-cell organism. Now we can look at this single-cell organism, and what it does is it kind of goes around. You know what it does? It sucks up all the other single-celled organisms. See, now we know it's not just a circle, this plain, simple-looking thing. Single-cell organisms, has in, they have engines and digestive systems, a way to grab fuel and put it in, and then it has a way to get rid of that stuff, the bad stuff. Single-celled organisms are incredibly complex. And we want to believe, ah, there's no creator. Just more time we're being lied to. I know because Genesis 1-1 also tells me this. In the beginning, God, stop right there, God exists. First claim, in the beginning, God. And then God created we're also going to go to John 1. We're going to read all five verses. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Say all things. All things were made. Without Him, nothing was made. As if all things wasn't enough. We need to now say, no, nothing was made without Him. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Here's the problem, church. If you believe that God exists, and you believe that that God then created, now you have to deal with this. And if you don't listen to anything else I say, this point three, this one thing as I'm talking about this book, this is the most important thing that I'm going to say today. First lie, or the third lie, sorry, is faith journal. If you're going to write that in your notes, faith journal. It goes something like this. Bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to lie to you for just a minute. 
You ever heard a pastor say that to you before? <laughs> okay, I'm lying in church. Okay. Come on, everybody. We know that what you believe is okay for you and what I believe is okay for me. The Bible is irrelevant, outdated, not accurate, and it has a bunch of errors. You can look up. If you believe that or have heard that and it's creeping into your system of beliefs, your pants are on fire. Watch out. It used to be back uh, when I first became a Christian and um, back at, uh, in high school that we debated books that talked about God. You see, because if God exists and God created, then who's been talking about it, right? Who's been writing stuff down? Who is the best, you know, thoughts about God? And we would study that and we would talk about it and we'd say, well, who has the best one? Well, of course, we'd go to the Bible, but we'd also look at, you know, the Koran, and we would look at the arguments and the thoughts of God. We might, we might go to a Hindu text and go through the Vedas and figure out the creation story there. We might go through many of the Buddhist texts. We might even debate and argue. People have taken the Bible and said, okay, look, can't really argue with this one because this one's really good. We'll just add something to it. And we would debate and talk about the Book of Mormon and say, well, what does it say in light of this book? And, and then we would also say, oh, wait a minute. What if you took a different version or translation, like the, the world translation, and, and then add like some magazine, like the Watchtower to it. And we would debate and argue that stuff, but that's not what happens anymore. Do you wanna know what we do now? We have a faith journal. And we treat talking about God like going to Chipotle. And we walk up and we say, I'll have a little bit of this ism and a little bit of that ism. I'll have some, some okay, I like the Christianity, some of that stuff, but not all of it. And, and I want a little secularism, a little humanism. Okay, I like some of the Buddhism stuff. That's kind of good. The meditate thing, I kind of like that. And we say, this is my faith. And you know what? What I believe is okay for me and what you believe is okay for you. We're being lied to. Our pants are on fire, folks. And we're just subtly sitting there and saying, okay, that's fine. Here's the problem. What if this was my faith journal? Now, this is not my faith journal. But what if this was? What if this was my faith journal? God is love. Everybody good with that? Shake your head. God is love. You guys okay with that one? In my faith journal, am I allowed to have? Okay, good. How about this one? Marriage is good until it doesn't suit me anymore. You guys still okay with that one? Okay, imagine this wedding ceremony. You want to be at this one? Hey, look, I, I love you until death do us part. Right? Or until, until the Lord returns. Or until there's big waves in Hawaii. Anybody think that sounds good? Why not? Because this is a foundation. This is something we can all believe in and put our trust and faith in. This is something that is rock solid that doesn't change. This book will radically change. And you know what? Some of you people in here have radically obeyed this book. And people make fun of you for it. You're staying in that marriage? What are you talking about? Your husband's doing that. Your wife's doing that. What is wrong with you? Just leave. You can't because you believe that God exists. You believe in God, the creation, and you believe in this book. And this is why you have a foundation. What if in my faith journal I had this? Christians should be tortured. Everybody okay with that? So this is a hard one because I know some people would argue with me and say, well, now your beliefs are now harming others. 
I didn't say I was going to do anything about it, but I'm just going to teach other people. Is it still okay? I'm not telling you to hurt, but you know what? Christians should be tortured, and they can take a verse of the Bible and twist it just a little bit and say we're supposed to take on the sufferings of Christ and twist it a little bit. Is that okay to have my faith journal? It's a lie. The truth is, this book is holy. On my Bible on the side, it says Holy Bible. It doesn't just say Bible. Why? Because this book is set apart. Holy means set apart. This is not just any book. This book is different. Let me tell you what it claims. In 2 Timothy 3, 12 to 17, we're going to read every verse. In fact, this is verse 12, 3, 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Well, evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This book is supernatural. It is God-breathed. That means that as the people were writing it, that God was breathing what he wanted. The words that were being penned were being breathed from him as they're being guided along. Now, I can, you can say, well, Mike, you're using the Bible to prove the Bible. Okay, I get that. Let me just tell you one thing, one argument that I love. Now, there are prophecies. Um, if you want to go home and do a fun study, do you guys know what a prophecy is? A prophecy is something that was said maybe 100, 200, 300, 500 years before, and then it's saying something's going to happen in the future. And then when you go and you read what happens in the future, and it happens, you're like, wow, that prophecy came true. You want to have fun to prove this book is supernatural? Do a study on prophecies. It'll knock your socks off. Your faith will be so strengthened. But let me give you one that I use. I like talking about Peter. See, Peter, Jesus said, is the rock in which he's going to build his church. Okay? But here's the thing. If you wanted to manufacture religion and you were just a mere person and you wanted to manufacture religion, you would not put in the story of Peter when he denied Jesus. Like this rock, this guy we're supposed to follow. You'd leave this stuff in there when he walked on water because, right, Jesus was the only one to walk on water. No, 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 Peter walked on water for a little bit. Leave that one in. But a manufactured story you wouldn't leave in at the crucial time Jesus is being arrested. You have Jesus being taken away and they walk up to Peter and say, hey, wait, wait, wait. Do you know this guy? And he's like, not me. I don't know that guy. Uh, next time they come up to him, wait a minute, weren't you with him, walking around with him? No, no, that wasn't me. That must have been somebody else. And then a third time he denies Jesus again. See, if in this book you were trying to manufacture, you would leave that part out if you wanted to manufacture religion. I love that part. I love, and it's in all four Gospels. Everyone saw and knew that he did this. This Bible is holy. We're going to transition for just a minute out of those core foundational things. And now we're going to get into some things why people don't really want this Bible to rule their life. Why they don't want it to guide them. Here's the, the fourth lie. A warm future. Warm future. So just bow your heads, close your eyes real quick. I'm going to lie to you again. Come on, everybody. We know that all babies go to heaven and Jesus was just, just a good teacher. You can look up. In fact, we know that not just babies, we know that 
you know, dogs go to heaven, and we know that, that oh, if you're good enough, you get into heaven. In fact, if, if, you, if you sacrifice your life, even though you've murdered a bunch of people, you sacrifice your life, you do something good, like that lady did, right, the Black Widow character, you know, well, you, well then you can get in, you know, she knows, she's in heaven. It's a warm, gooey future. You know why I know all children go to heaven? Because Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Let me know, uh, uh, do you want to know how I know that Jesus is not just a good teacher? I'll prove it to you. You ready? I was in the hospital with my wife, and we were there for my son this last past past week, and um, I was walking around the halls, and I look up on the wall, and there's a poster. I had a quote, and I want to read the quote so I get it exactly right, and it says this. Strength does not come from physical capacity. It comes from uh, an indomitable will. Do you know who said it? Raise your hand if you know. Gandhi. I know that because on the poster there was a little dash and it had his name. Because Gandhi was a good teacher. How long would a poster stay up in a hospital that had a quote from Jesus Christ? How long? Would it ever even go up? Because Jesus is not just a good teacher. The problem with Jesus is he is radical. And he says things that are true. And you can't put something that is that true up on a wall of a hospital. It's too divisive. It's too powerful. The truth is one way. I'm going to read this to you. This is a powerful thing Jesus said. Imagine this quote on a hospital wall. John 14, 1 to 6. Tell me if just a good teacher could say these words. Do not let your heart, this is Jesus talking, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And at that, Thomas said, hold on, hold on. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answers him. This is the quote. Imagine this on a poster. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How long would that stay up on a wall? What a claim. We have people in this church that believe this. In fact, we have people that have recently made a decision to follow Jesus. And we have um, some baptisms coming up. And, uh, but before I get to that, for some of you, this is your day. You've been deceiving yourself. You've been sitting in that chair for as long as I've been talking through the worship. You've been going, I know that there's a God. I know that he exists. I know that there's a creator. And now you're telling me, according to this word, you're telling me that Jesus said that the only way to the Father is through Jesus. That's what I'm telling you. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. This time we're going to just have a quick conversation. I'm not lying to you. For some of you, you need to talk to God. And you say, God, I need to get this right. If that's you and you're like, I, I, you don't even know what to say, I'm going to help you. You would pray to God something like this. God, I know you exist. 
I know that, that there's a creator, and I, I don't think I'm getting it right. I'm, I'm, I'm making a mess of my life, and, and I will no longer live for myself, but I will follow your way. I will follow and submit to Jesus. I don't even know what that means or looks like, but that's what I'll do. If you prayed something like that for the first time, would you just look up at me and raise your hand just so I know? I got you, man. Best decision ever. Anybody else? Our foundation is secure and solid. We haven't built our house and our lives on a sinking, shifting sand. We have something that isn't going to change tomorrow or the next day. Here's a lie. Church hypocrites. Just bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to lie to you. Come on, everybody. We know those church people are phony and you don't really need to go to church. You can look up. If you believe that, your pants are on fire. In fact, I'm going to dispel this one in just one quick statement. You've talked to these people, they'll tell you, I don't go to church, you know what, because they're all hypocrites. They're all hypocrites at church. You know what I say? Wow, you're pretty perfect. You're staying at home? Why don't you go to church and then the church should be filled with perfect people? Someone say amen. Like, that's a good argument, right? You're so good, you don't need church? Yeah, 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 I believe that too. See, even babies get the message today. That's who, come on, that's who I can preach to. Church hypocrites drives me crazy. We'll get to that in the next point. Yeah, I'm broken. Okay, you are too. Now what? Here's the truth, folks. You don't really need church. Here's the truth. Circle up. Not only do we need church, we need more church. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, at Sun Grove Church, we don't want you to just come in here. We want you to come here every Sunday, and not, not once a month, don't give up meeting together. This should be the habit, not a habit of not coming. This is the habit. This is the standard. And not this isn't enough. We need to meet more, just like they did in their time. Then they would go to people's houses, and they would hang out and have dinner and meals together and spur one another on and dig in and talk. Here, this is more of like a, you're sitting in rows, and we need to circle up and get face-to-face -face with one another and do life together. Someone say, Amen. Do you think it's difficult? Okay, granted, you're getting kids ready and trying to drive. Or, okay, just waiting for your wife to get ready. Okay, get coming to church. Church is pretty easy to get here, but it's getting more difficult. Anybody remember recently? Anybody hear of a shooting in a church? In a midweek Bible study? What are you going to do when that happens? See, the people in this day... Their faith was under attack. If they were going to go to a public meeting, it would mean they could lose their job. They could, if their family found out, they would be disowned. They would have no inheritance. It would cost them everything. And you know what? They still met together. When it gets hard, are we going to be a church that stands up and believes what this Bible says? I believe we will because you've been sitting under great teaching. And if you're waiting for Pastor Dave, don't worry. He'll be back soon. <laughs> Problem is this, 
you believe in this book and you believe it's true, can't just sit back and not talk about it. Here's the next lie, religious crutch. Bow your heads, close your eyes for the last time. I'm going to lie to you. Come on, everybody. We know religion is for the weak. You should not talk about your beliefs because not only are you weak, but they are weak. You can look up. Here's my question. I know I'm weak. Why do you think you're strong? So when you get lied to and the other person's telling you religion crutch is for the weak, folks, we can't back down. The truth is, I know I'm weak. And I don't just need a crutch, I need a savior. And so do they. And so do they. Let me read this. This is the truth. We have resurrection power. Not only do we have a supernatural book, we follow Jesus who defeated the grave. And that power is alive in us. And when you're talking to somebody and they're talking about any religious leader, when they're on their faith journal talking about, I believe what I believe, you believe what you believe. Oh, really? Can you raise yourself from the dead? Jesus can and did. And that's how you know heaven is for you. Here we go. Philippians 3, 10 to 12. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have arrived at my goal, but I press on and take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. And the band, you guys can come out. The same power that raised him from the dead is alive in me. And let me tell you, when you're in a hospital and you're praying for your kid, when you're praying, listen, someone they're talking, their marriage is falling apart and life is brutal and cancer again. I can look them straight in the face and I can say, we have resurrection power. And right here, right now, you might struggle. But let me tell you on the other side, we are not defeated and weak. Okay, now granted, look, I was weak, but now I'm strong. I was lost, but now I'm found, amen? I was a sinner and now I am saved. I'm forgiven, anyone in here forgiven? When are we gonna stand up, church? Who's gonna be the first to stand up right here, right now and say, I believe in resurrection power? Will it be you? There you go. Because you know that your faith is reasonable and we won't believe the lies that we're the crazy ones. We're not the crazy ones. There's a creator and we believe it. In fact, we know that we are spiritual beings created to worship and we're gonna worship him right here, right now. Someone say amen. Watch out church, your faith is on fire. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.